Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the Joel Klatt Show, we break down the national championship game. Michigan, Washington. Picks coming up. College football has never been better. Interest has never been higher. Believe that we are at the dawn of the golden age of college football. It was an epic day of college football. It was just one of those days where you fall in love with the sport all over again. What's up, everybody? Joel Clad here. This is the Joel Clad Show, and I cannot wait for this episode. We're going to break all things National Championship game down. But before we do that, make sure to go and and follow the podcast, subscribe to the show, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you could just rate, review us right there, that'd be awesome. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the show so you know when all the content drops uh, and comment below on what you like, what you don't like about the program. If you want to follow us on social media, we are wherever you like to social media. At Joel Clatchio. That's where you can find us. Now, if you want to follow me personally, I'm at Joel Clatt on Twitter, at Joel underscore Clatt on Instagram, some content out there as well. Okay, let's get into this national championship game. So it'll be the first time in nine years that we do not have a representative from the SEC in the national championship game. And it just so happens that this four-team playoff, this version of this playoff is going to be bookended. The first one, Big Ten, Pac-12. The last one, Big Ten, Pac-12. And you can make an argument. It's basically kind of an all-Big Ten uh, national championship game with Washington's move into the Big Ten for next year. These two teams, by the way, will play next year in the regular season in a rematch of the national championship game uh, in October. It will be the second straight year that we have um, – no, that's that was wrong. Anyways, let me get into this ball game. Um, Washington and Michigan are both elite football teams, and they they execute their version, their blueprint, their mentality as well as anybody, and that's why they're in this spot. They're undefeated for a reason. Even though a lot of people have been doubting Washington specifically, this team continues to win one possession games. They are elite where they want to be elite, both of these teams. And and you've heard me say on this show a lot, actually, and I believe in this wholeheartedly, great football teams are not great because they have no weaknesses. Great football teams are great because they identify their strengths and then they build habits, they build blueprints, they build game plans around those strengths. And that's exactly what these two teams do. Uh, to to a great degree. The great coaching staffs on both of these teams. Kalen DeBoer has been excellent everywhere he's been. Um, 
He is now, I think, 104 and 11 as a head coach, which is a ridiculously good record. I mean, obviously. Harbaugh has won everywhere he's been, whether it's San Diego or Stanford or San Francisco and now Michigan. The guy is an elite football coach, period. I don't care what you think about him personally. Jim Harbaugh is an elite football coach, and he has now brought Michigan back to the place where they dreamed of being ever since 1997, which is in the preeminent game in college football, the national championship game. So great matchup from a coaching perspective, these elite guys. We've got talent all over the field. A lot of guys that you're going to see on Sunday Probably the premium talent on the field is going to be Michael Penix, the quarterback of of Washington, who has played at such an elite level, not just this year, but really over the last two years, that he's been the leading passer in the sport back-to-back seasons. And that is really where this game is going to, I think, center for a lot of people. The conversation and the focus of this game is going to center around Michael Penix and that Washington passing attack. Because as we know... It's as good as any in the country. And I do want to sit with Washington for, for a, just a moment because if you're asking yourself or if, or if you're just talking and, and, and you come across like, do these teams resemble national champions? You know, in some ways, you got to be built similarly to the way other teams have been built to win this game. And, you know, for the most part, you would say, yes, these two teams are built to win the national championship. But in Washington's case, is actually a, a little bit different. They're trying to make up for what is not a, a, a national championship caliber defense with an elite passing game and offense. And, and the statistics bear that out. I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just giving you, from a historical reference point, what it would mean if Washington were to win the game next Monday, in particular as it relates to their defense. Okay. Washington's defense is currently 54th in the country in scoring defense and 97th in the country in total defense. So they're better at keeping points off the board board than they are in terms of total defense, which is where you would want to be better, by the way, because that's the main point. And to give you some context about those numbers, 54th in scoring, 97th in total defense, it would be the worst statistical defense to win a national title since the start of the BCS. So that's going back to 1998. In 2010, Auburn, with an elite quarterback and a great offense, uh, won the national championship with a defense that was 53rd in scoring and 60th in total defense. So at least statistically speaking, a better defense than what this Washington defense is. In, in 2019, that LSU team led by Joe Burrow, which a lot of people are comparing this Washington team to, which I love it. I love those comparisons because of the elite nature of the quarterback, the elite nature of the wide receivers. I think that the comparison fits. However, that LSU was the worst defense to win in the CFP era, a national championship. They won with the 32nd ranked scoring defense and the 31st ranked total defense. But folks, that's way better than Washington's defense. Again, 54th in scoring, 97th in total defense. Here's to give you some reference point of, of where, what that would mean. Here, here are statistically some of the worst total defenses to win the national championship. You'll see Auburn in 2010 with the 60th ranked total defense. And yet, outside of that, 
since the start of the BCS, you do not see a team past 32nd in the country that has won a national championship. All right. So that, I mean, that's a telling stat. It's there for a reason. It's really difficult to be that good throwing the football and win the whole thing. As far as a scoring defense goes, the worst scoring defense was that Auburn team. They were 53rd. And again, Washington just outside of that at 54th. And if you look a little deeper into the numbers, you'll see that outside of that Auburn team, the worst scoring defense was actually LSU at 32 in the country. So a lot of numbers to tell you that this is an outlier. All right? And, and it's not a knock. It's just the truth. Washington's defense is made up for by the fact that their offense, their quarterback, and their wide receivers are as good as you'll find out there. That passing game is exquisite. It's beautiful in a lot of regards. Watching them go to work against Texas was a thing of beauty on Monday night. And in a lot of respects, their matchup was very favorable against Texas because Texas doesn't defend the pass very well. So it was strength for Washington against a weakness for Texas. Now, that turned out to be somewhat of a close game. But if you're going to look at this game you know, past that defensive perspective for Washington, I think that you've got to then start to look at whose terms is the game going to be played on because these two teams are so different. And I know that that's obvious, but they are so different. And the style of game that they want to play is so different. So I want to talk about what is Washington's path, okay? What are their terms? And maybe these are obvious, but, you know, with a defense ranked with where they're ranked, they have to play on their terms. See, I don't believe that Washington can win a game that is played on Michigan's terms, okay? So they have to play their style of game in order to win on Monday night. And they've been able to do that. They've been able to do that against everybody. Now, the only game that really wasn't played on their terms, you could make an argument, was Washington State, maybe Arizona State, and they were still able to get Ws. But those two teams, not nearly the caliber of what they're going to see on Monday against Michigan. So what is the path? What are the terms for Washington? Well, more possessions. Okay, I want more margin for error on my offense. I want more margin for error with my defense than less. And so I want to see Michael Penix on the field. And it's not just about the time of possession and more on that later. It's actually the number of possessions. Okay. And, and I'll get into this when I talk about Michigan's defense. But if Michigan is just forcing Washington to snap the ball a lot, that does not favor Washington. They need more possessions. And the reason is, is that they need a wider margin for error. Okay, so when they have more possessions, it negates the impact of a potential defensive play or a third down sack or a turnover. And so what it does is it puts the odds more in your favor. If you're going to throw the football quite a bit and you're going to have talented guys on the outside, you want to do that more than the opposition wants you on the field. And so the number of possessions, I think, is critical. In college football this year, um, on average, there were 12, excuse me, offensive drives per game. Now, in Michigan games, it's lower than that. Michigan games, they average about 11 per game. That's the 10th fewest in the country, round numbers. So Michigan's looking for limited possessions. Washington's looking for increased possessions. 
I would go fast if I was Washington. I would try to get that defense tired, namely the pass rush. And what that does is it's going to put an immense amount of stress on Michigan's team, not just because of the playing pace, but also the urgency that Michigan's offense will have to operate under in order to keep up. Okay, Because if you increase the possessions, you increase the total amount of points. You increase the possible amount of points. And now you're going to force J.J. McCarthy, the run game, Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, to go out there and maybe play an uncomfortable style of football. Now, could could Michigan still win that style of game? Yeah, they might be able to still win that style of game. But it certainly fits Washington. And I don't think Washington can go the other direction and win a limited possession game. Okay, so that's number one. Increase the number of possessions. If I'm Washington, my passing attack is going to have to be elite. And it has been, and it was against Texas. There's no doubt. This is the number one passing attack in college football. They're averaging 350 yards per game. But now they're going to go up against a very different animal than they did in their semifinal matchup against Texas. Texas is, is, well, I mean, to put it bluntly, not even close to the same pass defense as what Michigan's uh, was. I, th- I think, don't quote me on this, I think Texas was 94th in the country. That number stands out. But I, I know that they were worse than 90th in the country stopping the pass. And that played out. I mean, Penix threw the ball with ease. Now, did it look beautiful? Yes. At times, did it look like he was having to avoid the rush and manipulate the pocket and do some special things? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And that defensive line for Texas was going to be a problem. And they did provide some pressure, but Penix was so good manipulating the pocket and moving around that they were able to really hurt that Texas defense, who was, I think, overmatched in the secondary. Now, is that going to be the case for Michigan? I'm not sure. Michigan's defense is the number two ranked pass defense in college football. By the way, behind only Ohio State, which is interesting. But they're only allowing 150 yards per game. And so now you look at the matchups. And the matchups, I think, are are really intriguing. I actually love these matchups. Will Johnson is an excellent corner. He's not draft eligible. But when he is draft eligible, I do believe that Will Johnson's going to be a first-round talent. And this is a kid that's a true sophomore that's going to get the job of having to go up against Roma Dunze at times. He got the job of going up against Marvin Harrison Jr. And by the way, that was a week in which Will was a little banged up and and had a a lower body injury. And he still got the assignment of going and roaming and being latched on Marvin Harrison Jr. Won't surprise me at all if Will moves around and attaches to Roma Dunze, who is outstanding. Michigan also has Mikey Sainer still. Josh Wallace, the corner on the other side. And now they're going to have to defend Adunze, Polk, and McMillan. Uh, McMillan and and Polk, they both line up in the slot at times during games. Um, uh, McMillan is primarily out of the slot, so that McMillan-Sainristil matchup I think is intriguing. Um, I think the linebackers are going to have to play a, a big role in this matchup for, for, for Michigan, but mainly it's going to be about the defensive line's ability to make Penix uncomfortable. Now, I chose those words carefully because it's not just about sacks, but it's about making him uncomfortable. Because, and and I think that this has played out for us a lot of ways, you know, over the course of the last two decades, we've seen elite passing attacks struggle at times. Like, like for instance, the, the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Giants. 
what happened to Tom Brady in, in that game? Well, the pass rush got to him. And, and namely, it was the pass rush that was pushed right back into his lap. It's the interior pass rush that I think is most difficult for elite passers because they want clean lanes and they want the ability to step up so that they can put RPMs and velocity on the football because RPMs and velocity allow you to be accurate. When you're on your back foot, you're not accurate. And that ball is not generally thrown with the correct leverage. Penix excels with accuracy pitch selection, and leverage. So Michigan's going to have to make him uncomfortable and in particular push the pocket right back into his lap. I think that is the most important piece of Michigan's defensive game plan. Can the tackles do that? Now, it just so happens that's exactly how they're built. This defensive line doesn't have a singular elite pass rusher like maybe they did in 2021 with Aiden Hutchinson, although they had a couple with, with David Ajabo in that year as well. But it's not just primarily an edge rushing game, okay? It's not, we're going to always have to blitz. What you see from Michigan is that collectively, they present a lot of pressure on the quarterback as a rush that rushes together. They stay in their lanes. They can push the interior and collapse the exterior of the pocket. Well, that becomes really difficult for a quarterback. There's nowhere to manipulate. There's nowhere to go. And that's when you make a quarterback uncomfortable. And that's exactly what Michigan is going to have to do. Texas got 16 pressures on Pennix, but they only got him down one time. Michigan got 12 pressures on Milrow, but got him down six. This speaks exactly to my point. Texas's pass rush was a bit disjointed. A lot of times it was one free guy, one guy getting into the backfield. And what Penix did a great job of is eluding in the pocket and then getting himself back to balance so that he can continue to, uh, to attack down the field. It was a very different rush that Michigan showcased against Alabama, which was a rush that collapsed cohesively around the quarterback where he had nowhere to go. So that's how 12 pressures get get to the point where you get the quarterback down six times. That's 50%. You're batting 50%. Texas 16 pressures only got him down once. Why? It was singular. It was disjointed. So the, the, the collective rush for Michigan is going to have to be really, really good. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Those are the terms that, that Washington's going to want to play. So what are the terms that Michigan's going to want to play? Well, a limited possession game. This is a team that's going to want to roll out the full boa constrictor. And 100%, I am taking credit for the boa constrictor analogy because you heard it here on this show first, way back in like late September, maybe even sooner than that. This team is the boa constrictor of college football and they are patient. They wait for their opportunity and then they just squeeze the life out of their opponent. Now, they were able to do that for the majority of the season because they're complete you know, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. They're really good to elite in a lot of different areas. And so what they can do is they can just sit around and wait for you to make a mistake, wait for their opportunity, and then bam, they strike, wrap, squeeze, and then it's over. 
And for them, I think that the most important piece of this game is the limited possession model because what that does is it increases the impact of any defensive play that they're able to make. So if they can get a rush on Pennix, if they can get a third down stop in the red zone where they're forcing Washington to end a possession with a kick of any kind, whether it's a punt or a field goal, that's a win for them. That's a huge win. But what they want is for that to be more impactful than it would otherwise be in a high-possession game. You see, if all of a sudden Washington only has the ball nine times or ten times, then the one or two or three third-down pressures or plays or stops that Michigan is able to make become more impactful. That's their blueprint. That's the boa constrictor. They want to create a sense of urgency in the opposite direction. If Washington wants to create an uncommon or uncomfortable sense of urgency for Michigan to have to play up to their offensive standards, then what Michigan is trying to do is create a sense of urgency because they know on the Washington side that every possession means everything. That's what they want. They want to create a panic because every time we get an opportunity, we have to score. Why? Because we don't know how many more times we're going to touch the football. That's the urgency they're trying to create, and that's the terms that they're trying to play on. I do think Michigan could somehow win the game if it's not played on their terms. They could possibly win a high-possession game. Washington cannot win a low-possession game. I just don't believe that's the case. And the reason is, is because I've seen it happen against a team that resembled exactly what Washington is going to bring to the table. Let's go back in history and give a little bit of a history lesson as to what Michigan is currently. Because this is not just... Harbaugh at Michigan, there is a very clear delineation between pre-COVID Michigan under Jim Harbaugh and post-COVID Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. And no, stop it. It's not Connor Stallions. I think that can be put to bed with the back half of this season. Can, can we stop it with that? Okay. So what is the difference? Well, before COVID, Michigan was a really good college defense in particular against teams that they would overmatch from a skill standpoint. And so they would dominate. And statistically, they had a lot of years where they were one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in college football, until they matched up with Ohio State. They didn't have the speed in the secondary to play the structure that they were trying to play back in those days. That structure, under their former defensive coordinator, Don Brown, was a man-oriented defensive coverage scheme. They would stunt, loop, blitz, try to present a lot of confusion and pressure on the quarterback and run man coverage. Now, for the majority, if not the, the entirety of their schedule, it worked because other teams did not have the athletes to go out there and combat what Michigan was trying to do until they saw the Buckeyes. And then the Buckeyes would roll out there and they would have great wide receivers and they would have speed all over the place and a terrific scheme from then-offensive coordinator Ryan Day or even head coach Ryan Day in 2019, and Ohio State would obliterate that defense. And to be honest, it wasn't even that close. Then the COVID year happens, and that was a debacle at Michigan. It was just a debacle. And so there's talk that they're going to move on. There's talk that they're going to fire Jim Harbaugh. They keep him, but if you remember, he reduced his contract. He took a pay cut to stay and try to fix things at Michigan. And what did he do? 
there was a fateful phone call that happened that year. And that phone call was from Jim Harbaugh to his brother, John Harbaugh, about the defense. And he said, hey, and he's told me and Gus and Ginny this story. He said, hey, bro, like, I need help. I need your defense. I need the Baltimore Ravens defense. Who can you give me to install your defense? That's the conversation. John says, absolutely. I've got two names for you. Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter. Choose between the two. It'd be a great break for them. These are young guys at this point in the Baltimore organization that are trying to work their way up. What better opportunity for these young guys than to go and actually coordinate a defense? By the way, under Jim Harbaugh. Okay, so it's going to be essentially the same feeling for them. It's going to be essentially the same program because John and Jim, although different, organizationally, very similar. Everyone that coaches for him will tell you that these guys are remarkably similar in the way that they approach being a head coach. And so Jim says, okay, I'll interview these two guys, Jesse Minner and Mike McDonald. He gets done with the interviews and he says, you know what? I love both of them. You tell me which one you want to take. And John says, no, 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 no. That's not how this is going to go. You pick one. And so Jim says, you know what? Either is great, but give me Mike McDonald. Okay, great. Mike McDonald becomes the defensive coordinator at Michigan. In order to get more experience, in particular, coordinating himself, calling a defense, getting out of the tree, Jesse Minner goes to Vanderbilt. Mike McDonald has a successful year. They beat Ohio State, and he goes back to Baltimore. And guess who Jim Harbaugh calls? The other guy. Jesse Minner, bring him back up here. So now we're running the same defense. We're running the same structure. But you've got to go and ask yourself a question. And then this is where it gets very fascinating for me. Why? Why did he do that? It wasn't just to improve. It was specifically done for one matchup. And this is what I think is so great. He had to beat Ohio State. Jim changed everything about the program from the way that they operated from a strength and conditioning. He brought in Biff Pogey to to help him relate better to the players and give the locker room back to the players. But most importantly, they changed the structure of the defense to run the Baltimore Ravens defense. Why? To match up with Ohio State. To match up with a quarterback and multiple wide receivers that they would otherwise have trouble with in their former scheme. You see, the old Michigan defense, Washington would torch that defense. This Michigan defense actually uniquely suited to match up with this specific style of offense because it was a style of offense that Jim specifically needed to beat. So you can make a strong argument that this Michigan team is built specifically to stop a team like Washington. They wanted to beat Ohio State in 2021. That team had C.J. Stroud. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson. And now they're going to face Michael Penix, Roma Dunze, McMillan, and Polk. Jalen Polk, outstanding. McMillan, outstanding. Guys, Michigan rebuilt their entire program for this specific matchup. So I thought it would be important to go back and look at the 21 matchup. And this is going to tell you a lot about this game and this matchup against Washington. Let's go back to 2021. What happened? 
We know the result, but I think the result clouds what we remember about the game. So let's go back and look at it. First and foremost, would it shock you to know that C.J. Stroud threw for 394 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions in that game? If I told you before that game that Stroud was going to have that line, would you say that Michigan was going to win or Ohio State was going to win? I bet you a million dollars you would have said, well, Ohio State's going to win that game. Why? Well, I guess you got to stop the passing game. Okay, interesting. Wilson, Olave, and Smith and Jigba, guess what they did, those three guys? They combined for 28 catches for 334 yards in that game. You see, it wasn't just about we have to stop the passing game. It was we're going to build ourselves to do two things. Win on the line of scrimmage on the offensive side and limit the possessions of the opponent so that any stop we get is more impactful. You see, folks, it's the same terms that I was just explaining that they're going to have to play on Monday night against Washington. Michigan ran the ball in 2021 against the Buckeyes 41 times for 297 yards. In the second half, Michigan ran the ball 20 times to only four passing attempts. In the fourth quarter, they had 15 runs, only one passing attempt. Ohio State led at the half. Michigan never trailed after scoring early in the third quarter because at that point, Ohio State was chasing them. They were chasing them down. And now we get back to that point I made earlier in the show, the difference between time of possession and limited possessions. They are different. In the 2021 Ohio State-Michigan game, the Buckeyes actually had the higher time of possession. But here's the kicker. Michigan forced them to earn their way down the field, so they only actually got 10 possessions, which means that any stop that they got, like one in the third quarter where they forced Ohio State to kick a field goal, were magnified. This is the exact blueprint that they're going to need on Monday. This is a team that is uniquely suited for this matchup. Washington had a great matchup against Texas. This is why I picked the Huskies to win in that college football playoff semifinal is because Texas was not going to match up well with that passing game. And they they weren't built to limit the possessions because they also were going to try to play high flying. And guess what? They got behind the chains and they had to punt a couple of times and then they weren't able to match the scores. But for Michigan, it's going to be something totally different. They're going to be able to lean on what their bread and butter is, which is collective rush, force Penix to earn his way down the field, run the football effectively, limit possessions, magnify any stops that you're able to get. And if they can do that, then they'll win the game. This matchup is so different, so different than even the first round of the playoffs for Michigan in that respect. There's a reason why I picked Alabama, and the reason was because Jalen Milrow. Michigan's not built to stop a mobile quarterback. And while Penix is mobile, and I do think that that's going to have to be a big factor for Washington, in particular on third down, his ability to move the chains with his feet, he's not a mobile quarterback in the sense that Jalen Milrow is a mobile quarterback, where they can lean on him for offensive production with his legs. All right? Like, I didn't love the matchup for Michigan. In a lot of ways, the toughest matchup for Michigan in this in, in, amongst any of the semifinalists was Alabama, and they were able to win that game. And by the way, they did it not even playing well in the special teams. I love Washington's team. I think that they have overcome all the naysayers 
all year long. They've been underdogs in, what, three of their last four games, whether it was Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, this semifinal game, and they're able to overcome. Why? They have an elite quarterback. All right, and and listen, if you're going to tell me that that passing game is just going to go absolutely bonkers and Michigan's going to have mistakes and turn the ball over, then yeah, Washington can and will win the game in that sense. But if there's anything else that goes on, Michigan has a much wider margin for error in this game. And the reasons are exactly how I discussed there in terms of how they're built and how this game is going to, to go. I think it's imperative uh, from Michigan stands standpoint that they get pressure internal, that they limit possessions. It's imperative that Penix plays out of his mind. There's no other way that Washington can win this game. Penix is going to have to play great. They've got one lane to win this one. I think Michigan's got three or four lanes that they could possibly drive in order to win this game. Washington has one. The passing game is going to have to be elite. Elite, elite, elite. And guess what? It can be that because Michael Penix is is that dude. And I'm going to love this game. I'm going to I can't wait for this game. I really can't. My official pick is going to be Michigan. Uh, I know during the Holiday Bowl, I had mentioned that I, I was going to lean towards the Huskies, but my official pick, now that we've seen all the games, we get down to the matchup, we actually look at what's going on, how they're playing, the way the semifinal games played out. Dylan Johnson, we don't know about his status, the running back, which I think is a big piece of this, and I know I waited until the end of this show to actually throw it out there. My official pick is going to be Michigan. I think Michigan wins. And again, if, you, if you're left with one point from this show, I think you should be left with the fact that this team, this program, ever since COVID, was built specifically to beat Ohio State. And they will be facing maybe a better version, but a version of Ohio State. And there's a path where Penix can throw for 350 yards and two or three touchdowns, and Washington still loses the game. And because of that, I'm going Wolverines in what is a Big Ten Pac-12 National Championship game, soon to be a Big Ten National Championship game, and I can't wait for it. Remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube, follow wherever you're at uh, listening on, on your podcast, and then on social, follow us at Joel Klatt Show. That'll do it for this uh, episode. Enjoy the game. I'll be back with a recap day after, so Tuesday the 9th that morning. Uh, come back to the Joel Klatt Show. I'll have full reaction of the national championship game. Enjoy the game, everybody.